Hey, I'm Michelle with Chariots for Hope, and today we are visiting with Phoebe. Hello, Phoebe. Well, hi. Uh, so this is the first Chariots for Hope under the hood. Um, there's a lot of amazing stories and things that happen, quote, under the hood of Chariots. And so we wanted to have you get to know Phoebe and her story. It is incredible. And the work that God is doing in and through her life personally and through Chariots for Hope. So welcome, Phoebe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be asked to do the first Under the Hood. Yeah. And so Phoebe is part of our team. Um, maybe we should start with, I don't know, what do we want to start with? Do we want to start with how you came to Chariots or we want to start how your journey began? We want to know a little bit more about Phoebe and under her her hood, I should say. Wow. I, lo I love how you just did that. So I feel like we should probably just go back to the start, rewind to little Phoebe. Yeah, let's um, talk little Phoebe. Start it off. And here's a, a trigger warning. There might be something said. Mm. You know, this isn't always just going to be a happy rainbow story. Um and also, I'll probably try to tell some corny mom joke. So well, just she's really bear good with me. She's really good. My at family says jokes. I'm not funny, but we know we know that's not true. That's not true, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that. No, I do not. Thanks. You are so quirky and so fun. Yes. And yeah, oh. that's the gift that God's given you. One person. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. So. All right, let's take a walk then. Tell us, tell us, Phoebe, before Phoebe today. How about that? Wow. You know, it's crazy that there was a Phoebe before this because I feel like who even was that? Mm. That girl, it's, you know, so let me kind of get back to the days of small town Wahoo. Um, I had the best family. Um, my parents, they called us the Beaver Cleaver family. It was just like this little perfect um, mom and dad. They came to every single event that I had. Mm. They were my FCA leaders. They were my... Um, Bible school teachers, coaches, teachers, like they were just there. Um, it was just a really happy childhood. And tell me where you are. You have the ratio, you have three, there's three siblings? Yes, you know, big surprise, but I'm the stereotypical middle child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually the short one in my family, and I'm this five, seven and a half, which is not too short, but my sister's six foot and my brother's six five. Wow. Parents are six foot. That's just a fun fact. <laughs> So, so I was a middle child, um, like I said, growing up in Wahoo, um, you know, I got to know Jesus and accepted him into my heart when I was eight years old. I know that's when you did as well. Yes. So that's crazy coincidence. Um, I always, I always loved Jesus. I would write songs to him. I would go to church camp every year. Um, I would attend church, you know, go to vacation Bible school and just, memorize all the verses and just you know it was a pretty idyllic childhood yes sounds lovely yes <laughs> okay and just waiting for that ball to drop right <laughs> so eight years old you accept Jesus yes I accept Jesus but you know he was just kind of kind of there like I knew he was with me let's say um was it more of like uh I accept Jesus here and I didn't really know the full understanding of the full surrender until later in life kind of thing? Yeah, it was kind of like this thing where we didn't have texting back then. Now let's just Correct. age me yeah. here. Because <laughs> it was full out, like send a passenger pigeon or, you know, it really, you, you, you would just go ride your bike to somebody's house and knock on the door. You couldn't text. But let's say 
praying was texting. I was texting Jesus all the time. Like I was a Mm. prayer warrior. I knew he was there listening, but I kind of thought he was just kind of dealing out gold stars, like letting me do really good. Like you're doing a great job and kept blessing me. And I'm like, thank you, God. And I kept praying for things like help me to, you know, we might get into that later, but track and field was a big part of my life. So I would constantly pray like, God, help me win this race, help me to do good. And I was just like always clinging on to him, but maybe not for the right reasons. I was asking for outcomes and I didn't really get into who he was. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So when was your shift to where Phoebe started maybe hanging with a crowd that she may not have or that Phoebe was making decisions that might not be the best choices? Where was where was that switch? Yeah, I kind of feel like you've done this before because you're doing a great job of asking <laughs> me questions. That's a great question. And, you know, I had accolades. Like, I'll kind of, I love details. So kind of backstory, you know, I was doing National Honor Society. I was high level competing in track and field. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so on paper, things were good. But I kind of got into a crowd of girls that were a year older than me. Mm. So I'm a junior and these girls were cool, like in my mind, like they were, they were popular, they were awesome athletes, which was what would impress me. Um, And they also like to socially drink and have sex with boyfriends. (laughs) You know, I mean, sorry if I'm not supposed to say that, but that was just what it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm soaking this in and these are my role models. Now that's not saying, oh, they're bad or trying to point fingers, but that's kind of who I was surrounding myself with. So once they graduated and I was a senior, you know, that was my big year. Um, My goal was to win state and track in the 800. Um, And since I was a a middle schooler, I used to stare at that that record on the wall and and you get your picture up there. And every day I'd walk by there and be like, I want to be up there. Um, and I'd, you know, I quit basketball my senior year and drove to the YMCA every day to train. And finally, my senior year, I did win state. It was wow. like the best. Uh, you know, that was in my mind. That's who my identity was. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm a runner. I, you know, I did this. And, and I was so psyched. Um, but then the girls started coming back from college. And after my greatest accomplishment, there I was hanging with the girls back from college. And I was going to street dances drinking. And I guess that's where I would say when I was about um, a senior in in high school, um, that summer, that's when my long toxic relationship with alcohol started. Mm. And that's been the longest relationship I ever had. Mm. So, so that took you, which we all know, um, the unfortunate behaviors and choices that come along with the addiction to Mm -hmm. many things, and particularly alcohol how damaging it is spiritually but physically relationally there really is for an addict it's very difficult uh to come to the realization that it's stealing your life Mm. um it's stealing your loved ones it's Mm. absolutely ransacking everything that gives life it's literally sucking the life and creating lies within your head not really remembering who your worth is and which was you made that commitment at eight right yeah you belong to Jesus and your worth is in him but you're so clouded by the alcohol the worth that you find and maybe boys finding you beautiful and attractive um so here you are you're in the thick of your addiction yeah is that fair to say 
I mean, well, even fast forward after college, you know, it didn't go the way I planned and I had injuries. I was drinking. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't this um, fine-tuned athlete and I was making all the wrong choices. So once that identity that I had had in performance and in track was gone and I felt like this huge disappointment to my family, um, I just, I went off on a tangent and I just was drinking pretty much daily in my 20s, mm. um, finding, you know, I had relationships like that's what I discovered. I hadn't had any serious relationships till my 20s. And I I got into some doozies. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even go there, yeah. but that was part of it, too. And I found people that I thought I thought my family's not going to accept me. God's not going to accept me right now because I am so unclean. Like this is just I knew I was doing wrong, just um, veiled in sin. And I thought these are the only people that are going to accept me. Yeah. And in that, you were still blessed by uh, a relationship that brought you your amazing son, right? So yeah. there was a time in your life that you were a single mom. Mm -hmm. um, he's a blessing to your family. And of course, you know, you had to walk through that season in your life. But yeah, even in the midst of that storm, out came this beautiful young man, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if you want to touch a little bit on that piece or if you want to go more into um, getting to the pinnacle of yeah. where your addiction brought you. Right. Well, we can do a, a slow buildup, I guess. I mean, Luke is a huge, huge part of it, obviously. Mm. I mean, I was just... I was so heavy in, in this lifestyle and drugs had got in there, um, not just the alcohol. Um, I had no self-worth. Um, I was also um, in some legal trouble back then. I, I had gone to a party. Um, you know, I had kind of been dabbling with some, some drugs. And someone had sold me drugs at a party, and it turned out to be methamphetamine. And I thought it was something else. Wow. And this is pretty heavy, I mean, but it's just the truth. And four days later, I found myself in a mall. Um, and it was my favorite mall. I loved Von Mar, loved shopping, but obviously I wasn't in my right sorts. And apparently I was in the dressing room and I, I had brought the drugs with me because I thought that was a really great idea to do that. Um, I might need them while I'm shopping. And um, needless to say, you know, they were eyeing me. And when I was trying to walk out, um, they, the mall cop pulled me over and brought me in the back. And here's this girl that had never been in trouble before out of my mind. And, um, they brought me back there and they said, Oh, you're a nice girl. And, um, the store owners had known me because I had shopped in there regularly. And sure. they're like, you're nice. Just don't do this again, but let me search your purse. And I knew, um, it was going to go down and they found that methamphetamine and I went to jail. That was my first time. Jeez. I couldn't even, it was the worst experience of my life. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to do after that. Um, and so really, I mean, this is about to get pretty dark, but I have to say it so you know where I was at sure. to know how amazing it is to be where I'm at now. Absolutely. And I debated whether or not to say it because it's crazy. No, it's almost like I'm, t I'm reading a novel out loud, but it's actually me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that was the most shameful thing. And after that, I still didn't change my life, but I, I hid that in a, as a dirty secret. And I had a court date that was set. I spent three days in there and I, I knew there was this dark cloud looming and I had obligations, but I didn't do any of them. I just kept going on and Jeez. told no one, no one. 
So one night I, um, I just decided to end it. I wanted to kill myself because I, I, I thought I can't take this. I can't go to jail. I was there. I don't belong there. And I can't, I can't change my life. I cannot. I'm here. This is me. And I, this is the worst. I, I hate myself. So I actually went to, um, a store to buy some antifreeze and I couldn't afford it because I had no job. I had no money and I actually couldn't afford it. So I, I was trying to bargain shop and buy the cheaper kind and I, I got it and I, I had my roommate at the time. It was a male roommate and he was an old friend from Wahoo and he let me borrow his car. Well, I didn't have enough money for gas and I ran out of gas right there and I had to just carry the antifreeze back to the apartment and um, there I was and I, I literally just, um, <laughs> literally just cried. I cried and I prayed cause I knew that was it, you know, and I, I talked to God. I said, God, I'm just, uh, I'm just so sorry that I've let you down and that I've let, um, and, and this was not how I thought it would end. And it was so scary, but I was ready. I was ready. I, I said, God, I asked you into my heart to be my savior. Um, I know I'm going to be with you, God. And I wrote a letter and I knew my roommate was mad at me, but I, I wrote a note and said, sorry, your car ran out of gas. And I knew he'd forgive me for that um, because he would feel bad. And I, um, I drank that antifreeze. And I don't even know if I've told you this before. It's pretty, um, I did and I, nothing happened. And I drank that whole glass and I was like, oh my, oh my dear Jesus, you know, I said, and I knew I wasn't supposed to die. And, um, so I, I like I stopped, I went to Wahoo after that with my parents, I left my life in Omaha and I mm. found out when I, when I was home in Wahoo that I was pregnant with Luke. Wow. You see where I'm going with this? Wow. So he's a miracle. For real. And I just can't believe I just said this on my first podcast. <laughs> I think you gave me true serum. No, I, uh, no, I, I think that for me, <sighs> the key to sharing our story, our testimony is the vulnerability piece. It's, I think, I mean, look what Christ has done. Look what God has brought you out of literally the depths of hell. Like I think I, it's a slimy, <laughs> slimy pit. And, yeah. um, I so am grateful for your vulnerability because it just goes to show you that there's so much power when it's his story and he had such major purpose. I mean, Phoebe, yeah. look where you are today. Like you I can't mean, even, we say it, what do we say? <laughs> you can't make this stuff you up. You can't make it up. Um, <laughs> I need to give you a hug because I see your face. Oh my goodness. Well, I just, I, just I appreciate your vulnerability. Um, well, I did not know that piece. And I also can relate to you because I've been there. So I, addiction just takes you to dark spaces yeah. and the enemy will convince you that you're not worthy. You're not worth being here. God doesn't, you know, yeah, you're, well, you shouldn't be here to take yourself out of all those horrible things that you think of. But the thing is that when I say it, it doesn't make me sad or shameful right here, right now. Now it used to, like I had sure. so many layers, but now when I say I shouldn't be alive, I mean that. And you see that. Yeah. Um, and so now here today I can look at you and yes, there was many bumps in the road after that. Like I, I'm married now. Um, I, uh, I have a husband that we've been together for 12 years 
and 10 years married. Mm-hmm. We have a daughter, Ella, she's 10. Um, and we've been on the, we've been through, through it, you know, but, um, I was talking earlier before the podcast that the um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, but expecting the same result. Well, I thought I'm not, you know, in a mall trying meth and I'm not, I'm not doing this and that (laughs) I can still drink. And even though it was such, like I said, it was my longest relationship. And that was the one thing that's been the hardest to let go of. Um, so I held on to that, um, up until four years ago, which I, I don't know what happened was I got a job at Lutheran family services and they really needed someone in that spot. And, and it was a complete God thing because everything is. Yeah. And, um, there was a friend of a friend that knew I had had issues in the past, some challenges and said, Hey, you'd be perfect for this role. Come on, I'll train you. And then I'm going to go out. I'm going to start my own organization. Let's train you real quick and stuff. I'm yeah. like, okay, I don't know if I'm can do this job. Well, they hired me. And I thought, oh, okay. So I, once I figured out what I was doing, I'm mentoring people with share, through shared lived experiences um, and, and trying to help them on their recovery and support them. And I thought, wait, what's my story? Where's my recovery? <laughs> and I felt like a fraud and a fake because mm. there were some times I was still socially drinking, although I was, you know, living pretty, you know, safe and clean. I just still had that sure. in my repertoire. And I knew from my gut and my heart that I needed to, I needed to get on my knees and truly, truly, truly. It was February 4th day after Super Bowl. Um, I'd had like two drinks the night before and I, I just, I, the next day I just knew I'm like, I got on my knees and I said, I, I really asked Jesus to be in my heart again. I said, I know you've been there this whole time, but I've been so wrong. I said, God, I'm trying to live on my own, do what I want to do, not what, not follow you. And I, I kind of made a deal with him about just take away this desire to drink. I, I don't want to be a fraud and a fake God. I want to follow you. And from that day on, it's just been lifted Amen. and it's been a blessing It has been a blessing. <laughs> and a miracle. So, <laughs> well, that's that full surrender. And, you know, I think that when we make those decisions to truly follow Jesus and what that looks like is surrendering fully and walking in obedience. And yeah, I mean, those are things, I mean, look at the grace and and the love that he's shown you, um, for all of us. Right. There's sometimes I think, Oh my gosh, how can I not follow Jesus for what Mm -hmm. he's pulled me out of what he's pulled you out of? Like, yeah, all that grace, all that love, never giving up, on us and believing that we are truly a daughter of the King. I mean, mm. and really walking in that confidence. I see that in you. I, it's been an amazing blessing the last three years to watch you blossom mm. as you draw closer to Christ, but how God is using you tremendously through Chariots for Hope. Um, and I would love for you to share with the audience your story and your journey on how God drove you. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> I mean, no pun intended, but yes, uh, pun intended. Um, it is definitely a divine intersection, how Phoebe got to Chariots for Hope. And I know she'll share this and it's a great part of her story. Um, we're just honored as far as the Chariots team to 
how God has brought her to us and how she's being used uh, both here in Omaha and Lincoln. So go ahead and tell Nat. Well, thank you. I, I guess that I kind of led it in with my job at Lutheran Family Services. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful job, great, great team to work with. And I wasn't looking around for anything. Um, and then this application that was paper at the time, which we've progressed a we've lot come a long then. way. Yeah. Don't judge us. Um, <laughs> and it was this woman that wanted to be referred to this program, which I don't know who Chariots is. She says, <laughs> I want a car, just finish this application for me. So sure, I go ahead and I, I start working with Chariots for Hope. And sure enough, um, a few months later, she gets surprised one day and she gets a car. Um, there's this thing called a blessing, and um, they, that would be the bamboozle. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bamboozle. That's the bamboozle. Yeah, and they take her to some location, tell her some shady antics <laughs> about that's what whatever we do. whatever it is they were going to do with her that day. She's yeah. not expecting it, and and there they are. I think the news mm, was there. That was, so that was Brandy that day. Mm-hmm. She was she's amazing. She's still walking with us, but. That's another story, another day. So they brought her out there, surprised her with a car. So she she was grateful that I had helped her. She comes back to Lutheran family, and I'm doing a class that day. Um, and she comes in. She's like, you got to come out and talk to me. And I thought, uh-oh, what, what kind of, the drama meter's going off. What's wrong? Yeah. What's, what's happening? So I thought, she's in trouble. I go outside with her. There's the chariots team. And so <laughs> there's her car. Yes. And that's when I first met you guys. You weren't there, but it was a couple other ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm not normally one of those, look, you know, the grass is greener, looking at somebody else's things. But I looked at the team and I'm like, I wonder what it'd be like to do that. <laughs> I truly did. And so um, that was an interesting just seed planted mm-hmm. there. And um, months later, we went out on telehealth for COVID. Oh. Everybody knows about the whole... Yes. Not to rain on the parade here, but that was a, a tough time. It was a tough time. You know, and we got booted out of the office. They said, you're leave immediately and you're going to do telehealth. So I, I can just thrive on one-on-one, just in-person situations. And sitting in front of a computer for eight hours was just mentally and physically exhausting. And I started kind of... Um, not feeling good about things right there. And um, I'm on the middle of a 40-hour Zoom. It was this class. Holy moly. I know, right? (laughs) So feeling bad for me. And I'm just, you know, making my way through it. And I knew the facilitator. And um, I get this message in my inbox on Messenger. And it's from Michelle Hurt from Chariots for Hope. (laughs) (laughs) And we weren't friends at the time on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And she's like, can you call me? Here's my number. I got to talk to you. I was like, what? What is that? And I had this weird instinct just to get down on my knees and pray. And yeah, I blacked my screen out and I'm trying to zoom at the same time. Sorry about that. But um, I did. I prayed and I, I, I don't know why I did. Now I know why I did. But yeah. And on the back end for chariots, there was just at the time there were five of us and we would meet every Monday for a staff meeting. And um, we were looking for somebody in Lincoln to represent chariots for hope. And we talked about this Phoebe and I'm like, if we could just find a Phoebe, that would be amazing. <laughs> and I remember Jeff looked um, at us one day and he's like, well, why don't you call the Phoebe? <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to step out and message her like right now. So I just love on the back end that we were talking about you for weeks. And that Jeff really awesome. just sparred us to be 
to call the Phoebe. Oh, um, so, so yeah. So I had done um, about four referrals in the meantime. Correct. So we had come in contact, loved chariots, loved what you guys did. And then um, you and Jason were supposed to take me to lunch just to talk. <laughs> and then I'm in this place. We bamboozled Dino's you. And out mills everybody on the team. I was like, they got me good. Who are these people? But uh I, since then, the rest is history. Mm. I said, God, open the door if, if this can happen and slam it shut if it's not meant to be. And he flung every door open and it's just been life changing. Phoebe, share um, kind of where we are now as far as chariots. You know, you've been with chariots for about three years. And for those who don't really know the mission of Chariots for Hope, I mean, hey, we are all things transportation barriers. And, and right now we're kind of talking Phoebe's story and we're getting under the hood. Um, under and, you know, hood. Chariots for Hope, we say all the time it's way beyond the car. And this is the way beyond the car piece. Mm-hmm. But this is what drives us. This is our heart. It's the stories of the people we serve. Um, and Phoebe is now boots on the ground in Lincoln, and she is out there sharing the mission and um, getting people behind her to believe in what we're doing for Chariots for Hope because, yes, it's transportation barriers, but it's a platform that the Lord has given us to share the gospel in such a unique way. And so, Phoebe, share with us a little bit what you're doing in Lincoln now. Yeah, well, I've had the unique experience to be able to do all things programs before this role. So I see how the seeds were being planted, Mm -hmm. and I was able just to be in the thick of it and see all these amazing stories Mm. and lives transformed. So not only do I just believe from my heart and soul in this mission, I've seen it. I've seen these lives changed, elevated, and people still walking with us today. And I, I more than ever want to share this mission and share the heart of chariots so that we can just, um, level up in Lincoln and help and impact more families. Yes. yes. So we, we know a lot of people take transportation for granted. There's, you know, so many people will say it's just a car. Um, and I know, you know, this story, mm-hmm. but we know that it's transforming for the lives that we're able to serve. Um, and just all the components that go along with chariots, mm-hmm. building healthy community, teaching them about taking care of their car. Um, but those are all the things that Phoebe got to walk through in the beginning. And now she's out doing more of the development piece mm-hmm. and sharing, um, building relations with community partners, getting people to walk alongside us in Lincoln. So it's been awesome just hitting some of these networking meetings and, and meeting these great businesses and organizations and sharing about chariots because come to find a lot of people don't even know we're there. No. So I've been, I've been blessed to be able to meet a lot of great people in Lincoln and see ways we can partner. Yes. Well, thank you for taking the time to hear Phoebe's heart today. Um, This was our first under the hood. I'm digging it. She made me cry. (laughs) I don't know. I thought I I knew everything about Phoebe. Holy buckets. Um, Surprise. Surprise. That's what we do. Surprise. Um, So anyway, thank you for taking time. Have an amazing day and stay tuned for the next under the hood. Yes. Thank you. Bye. 
Thanks for checking out the Chariots for Hope Under the Hood podcast. If you are inspired by this story and would like to know ways that you can make an impact in the lives of those trying to overcome transportation barriers, we can't encourage you enough to check out our website at chariotsforhope.org or follow us on social media for daily updates. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.